Welcome to Copy That Radio. I'm Seth Horst, retired law enforcement. And I am Jared Milkey, a retired firefighter. We started this podcast to tell the real stories of first responders to the general public. We believe there is a disconnect between what actually happens in the world of first responders and what the public perceives happens in the world of first responders. Jared and I are both full-time realtors here in the inland Northwest. And if you want to partner with us at eXp Realty, please shoot us a message. That's right. We currently serve the inland Northwest, but we can help you get started in real estate wherever you live. Now, here's a word from our sponsors. Thank you. Welcome to Copy That Radio. This show is sponsored by Patriot and Company. Patriot and Company is a veteran-owned, veteran and first responder-owned company that provides all natural soaps and beard care products. They have a men's line and a women's line. Seth, what's your favorite flavor? Hipster repellent. Hipster repellent is the anti-skinny jeans scent. There's plenty of other scents. Go get yourself some. Use the code copy that all caps, for 10% off anything on patriotandcompany.com. This show is also sponsored by ninjarub.com, which will take you to sierrawana.com, the parent company. Sierra Wana specializes in natural body care products using traditional methods of infusion, capitalizing on herb synergy. Uh, our personal favorite is Ninja Rub. One of Ninja Rub is the jam. It's the jam. Uh, we use it for all of our sports and jujitsu related injuries. And for 15% off, use the code copy that all caps. All caps. Copy that at ninjarub.com. Boom. Uh, Seth, man. do you know what getting Hasselhoff means? No. <laughs> <laughs> no I'd love to hear this. Jared, I gotta send you that when I'm done. I'll, I'll send it to you. I got a great one. Somebody got me later with that when I was flying. That they literally superimposed me on it. But I'll send it to you. I'm but pull yeah, them up right now. Hasselhoff. There's so there's these pictures of David Hasselhoff in some weird photo shoot with like no clothes on. No, oh. and the puppies or kittens or something. Little Sharpay puppies or something. Sharpay like puppies like covering his, his poor dogs. Yeah. Um, there, and there were more than one picture. Like it was a whole series of photos. But if you ever left your desktop open at the firehouse, you're gonna get something that's like that. That's the one. Well, that's one of them. But there were other ones too. But just like the worst one. Yeah. You're going to town. You're doing everything, and all of a sudden you put your screen down. And you're like, oh, what's that, buddy? <laughs> what's got there? There was a couple other ones, like the dude, the dude dressed as the like the rainbow unicorn, where he's got like the little mitts on and stuff and he's doing i mean anything you left your screen up and walked away if you put your Fair brow- game buddy your browser's down it was going to be bad <clears throat> it was never it was never um pornographic because it's still a company computer like it's still a you know all that stuff can be traced and then you're going to involve the outside people it's a little too much yeah but that happened buddy no problem <laughs> it was yeah. easy, to easy to find real fast you didn't have to like carry it with you and try to upload it. I mean, you could find, you could just type in, you know, Hasselhoff dogs and it would pop up. I think Jared's doing it right now. I am. I found, I found a picture of him in the same poses, but there was no dogs. I think they're gone from the internet. Oh, there they are. There's well, one. I, can get- I got it. Some. I did, man. This oh, that, is, that is disturbing. It's creepy as hell. <laughs> God dang. He, David Hasselhoff is naked and he's got one big Sharpay puppy in his lap. That is a. Uh, he's laying like sideways. Yeah, just uh, Google Hasselhoff dogs and um, it'll come up. 
Check your phone, Jared. You see it? Just messaged you a little something. Oh, he sent you one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I man. hope it's not the picture of your nuts from Gerbic's phone. I hope it is. No, it was so funny. It took me forever to get that photo. But that's the one somebody got me. Oh, look at that. That's my, put my face on it. <laughs> and then put it on my, on my, um, Sean's pretty face. Pretty background. That is freaking awesome. Yeah, he was good with Photoshop. He made me nervous. That's skills. Yeah, that's skills right there. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm funny. scared to get what else I end up on over there. God, I miss, like, I miss this shit. And yeah. I, that's why I enjoy this podcast because it kind of relive it. You know what I mean? Like, like I mean, Sean, like in your new job, you probably you, you're a traveling nurse, so you don't have that camaraderie. I'm, I'm sure guessing. the hospital systems don't allow this kind of shenanigans. No, Tom, you know, this, uh, I've been very welcomed. I've been blessed with uh, where I go as far as this being welcomed, and you know, a lot of it I think obviously stems from just a fun, fun attitude. I got the right attitude. I feel like I'm there to help them. I really am. You know, I'm not there just to get the money. And money's a bonus, but. Um, I do spend a lot of money traveling. That's the underside of it. You know, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, they're like, oh, I go travel. I'll make a ton of money. Well, there's a ton of money per week. Yes. But there's a ton of money you got to put out too. So, I mean, these long-term travelers that have made a career out of it. Yeah. They're making good because they're probably got a nice camper or something to do with it. You know, that's their only, like they probably don't have a house, you know, but I'm traveling. I still have to pay for everything in my home. Um, and then I got to pay for everything at the next home because I got to stay wherever I'm staying um, plus it disturbs your life, but it's, you get up there and you just can't quite joke like to that. You can't prank to that extent. Like I was working at Eustace and we had this guy that was just, he snored all the time and we wanted him to kind of go in the other room. And so me and DuPont played this prank, Ryan DuPont and I worked at Eustace. That's where I started. And we played, prayed I'll spit that out in English. We played this prank on him. We set the IV line an IV line tubing up into the side of his bed on his mattress and put it on a, um, a blood pressure cuff, a manual blood pressure cuff. <clears throat> so when we went to bed, what Ryan did was he would slowly squeeze the bulb real slow because you don't want to make that, that hissing sound on a blood pressure cuff, the, the old sphygmomanometer, if you will, for the uh, people with the dictionaries out there. So we're squeezing this bulb, and so it's slowly leaking into the bed. And I'm not shitting somewhere. Seth, around like 1 o'clock in the morning, and Ryan and I can't sleep. We're just trying not to laugh for hours. And and, because I know it's happening. We're just waiting to see when he notices, if he notices. And so all of a sudden, he, he like, you see him move a little bit, and he feels, and he gets up, and he gets next to the bed, puts his head down next to the bed, and you can see he's sniffing it. He now thinks he has peed the bed. So he very quietly, and Ryan's up. I know Ryan's up because I can, you know, at this point, I can sense it. I know he's up. And I'm up. And you see him, like, very quietly, slowly take his sheets and stuff down, like, take all his bedding out and takes it out. All of a sudden, you hear the washer start going. And he doesn't come back in. And now, because he's out there and the washer's going, Ryan and I are, like, giggling a little bit, like, holy shit. Um, so we get up the next morning, and we're at the table, and uh, we started joking around. Like, hey, man, it's all your time. You get up, dude. All your stuff was cleaned off your bed already this morning. I heard you like get up last night. And uh, Ryan just sit at the table. He's like, oh yeah, I just got up, just got up early. Couldn't really sleep last night. Oh, okay. I mean, you just decided to start doing some late night laundry. <laughs> What's going on? I was like, yeah, um, yeah. 
Everything all right, man? Everything all right? Oh. The bed looked a little different this morning, too. And all of a sudden, Ryan starts cracking up laughing. And Kevin turns around and looks and realizes that we did this. <laughs> and so now he's now he's like, you mother, I thought I pissed the bed. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> savage. Love that's it. So like, awesome. God, that I do, so I do fun. miss those days. Oh, man, man so that's so fun. Dang it. Just we, gotta, it there's dumb, fun little things you could do too. We had, you go in there and, you know, some guy messed with your stuff. So we'd bring the leaf blower in and put it up to the locker. This is if you had the old school middle high school lockers. Put your, put the leaf blower up to the locker, even if they lock their stuff and just whirlwind everything in there. It looked like honey grab machines. They go, <laughs> that is good. It's good. Yeah, there's, there's oh, anybody out there listening, take notes because that's a good one right there. there there's all kinds. We, Sean, we may have just inspired uh, hundreds of write-ups all across the country. I think, yes. You're welcome for the... <laughs> yeah, don't do it. No, it's, you can't get away with it. It's not the same. Yeah, that's, uh, like, that's like fireable stuff now. You're the old firecrackers. As soon as they go to yep. sit down and take firecrackers under right the Right under the door. Uh, that, that, that one strikes close to home for me because I, I was in the shower at work one time and a guy fired a 38 blank over the shower door. And it like it, it like put my central nervous system into complete fucking shutdown, and I I, I don't even know, man. I still am partially deaf, I think, from that. Yeah, hey, thanks, Sam. And Not uh, over firecrackers. The thing with the firecrackers is, you see those coming. You just see those get behind you, like, oh shit! shit. And you can't do anything because you're taking a crap. We had one of your boys one time used to come over. I will not say this name for obvious reasons, but um, stop by, and, and I was in there taking a shower and. Somehow, I guess the door wasn't locked or whatever. And he he stuck his stuck his arm behind me in the shower and just lit up the backside of the taser. Oh. <laughs> oh. There's nowhere to go, and I'm soaking wet. I'm sitting here thinking all of a sudden sparks are going to come off. Uh, I scared the living piss out of me. Thank God I was in the shower. Oh, that sound will get you. Oh. Yeah. But I thought he was just going to joke around or something like this. So I'm like all getting ready. I'm already starting my helicopter move. And all of a sudden, this arm comes through. <laughs> oh, shit. Please don't taser my pecker, sir. That's so funny. Hey, I, I, I just remembered something. You've been posting lately on your social yes. about um, the conversations you're having with these people renting you places as a nerd travel nurse. And oh. they're hilarious. Yeah, I, I, I don't, they didn't know what else to do with it. My, the first, the, the second guy, I'll just say his first, it was funny. <clears throat> you know, I, I back and forth had a conversation with this guy trying to rent this place. Um, I kind of dropped the ball on my end because I thought I was going to get a cheaper spot. And so I didn't really get back with him. And then I finally catch up with him and said, you know, hey, I see your room still for rent. Um, and he said, yeah, but this other, there's a girl there. And she doesn't want me to rent to other guys. So, okay, well, you know, ask her, see if she's okay. I won't be there very long. I'm just going to be there on the nights I'm on call. Because for cath lab, you have to be able to come in um, when, you know, cath lab is basically an eight to five office, so to speak. But it has to be able to be available 24 hours a day. So if you're on call, you come in. Um, so, so I only need it for call days, which is typically one or two a week and one week in a month. You're talking eight to ten days total that I need to be there. Uh, so see if she likes it. So he gets back a hold of me and said, yeah, okay, there's an app fee. I fill out this app, drop the app, and he said the app fee is 25 bucks. So he sends me a Venmo request, 
And I hit the Venmo. It comes up. I'm at work. I hit pay, send it back right away. Like I'm zippity doodah going through all this stuff. And he sends me the screenshot back of where he only got $24 and 43 cents. And he goes, Hey, yeah, it's a, uh, it's short. I'm looking at it. thinking it was like way short. And that's 57 cents. Okay. Um, so I, he goes, what, what happened? I said, I don't know. I just hit pay, man. And so it's a text conversation and he's kind of, he's beating around the bush about it. I go, so you want me to send you 57 cents? He goes, yeah. Wow. My, my first text says, wow. And then the second one says, okay, hold on. I am literally getting ready to send this guy 57 cents. Cause I'm like, whatever, I kind of need the place. And he comes back with, I might have to read this just, just because basically comes back with this whole, um, I don't know if I can find it fast enough, but if you had a phone bill, you know, would the phone, uh, Oh, here it is. Uh, it's much better if I read it. So when you pay your phone bill and you're short, by the way, you spelled your wrong. Let's just throw that oh, out there. No apostrophe. Uh, yep. No E, no apostrophe. And you're short. What do they say? Same thing, I think. All right. So I back back up. He doesn't know who he's talking he to. He clearly here. doesn't know who he's talking to. My response is very simple. My man, it wasn't my error. Just cancel it. I'll find another place. Thank you for your time. So he ends up texting me back a few more times. And I, I have to get into the whole, I'm like, man, let it go. Like, you know, I wouldn't basically said I would not have come after somebody for 57 cents. Yeah, I'm not going to be there for 10 days a month. The money you're going to save in electric, water, wear and tear on your stuff, you're going to you're going to make 57 cents. I wouldn't chase somebody for that. I would have just found out what the error was and maybe send a Venmo for $27 next time. You know, whatever, whatever Venmo did. I don't know. And so now he keeps going on. I'm like, listen, you want to play the phone company card? We could treat you like a phone company if you want. I said, the phone company would have wiped that, would have sent me a brand new phone, would have given me a month of free service just so they don't lose my business. I said, so I'll look, check the mail for my future phone. But you got to be, I was literally getting ready to send it to them. Man, 57 cents. But I'm, I'm, you know, that's a huge red flag. Now it's the principle of it. I'm not even there yet. I'm out. Now, the funny one, <clears throat> so I say that for a second, it's actually the first one I got. There's this lady I was trying to rent from over there, and she's asking me all kinds of stuff. Where, you know, how long are you gonna stay? What, how, what, how often are you gonna be there? Like, what's your nights? What's your schedule? You work days or nights? Um, just probably, you know, a solid ten minutes worth of reading conversation on text. And I'm like, you know, I'm not gonna be there too much. My girlfriend lives down the road. I just need it for call nights. I live an hour and a half away. <clears throat> and she finally comes back with. Oh, okay. Well, this isn't going to work for me because I like to sit in my hot tub naked. <laughs> I think you're going to be here too much, basically, is what she what she wrote. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I, I didn't even want to respond to that. But my main response was, you shouldn't be renting to anybody. Like, these are travel professionals coming from somewhere else. They need to be there typically seven nights a week. Like the fact that I'm telling you I'm going to be one or two in one week in a month and it, it's too much for you because you got to be naked in your hot tub. I think she was baiting you. She was baiting you just to see. There's a lot of swinger attitude down there. <laughs> I think, I think Are you I missed out. talking Savannah? 
Yeah, I missed out, man. But yeah, that's what everybody said about that crap. It was, <laughs> it was, it was interesting. I'm like, okay, so why would you question me that much? That's so weird. Hey, I just popped into my brain when when you swipe something across the, the underside of your boys. Oh, it's called <laughs> it's called credit carding. Oh, like when a skater lands and the skateboard goes up there. Hits them in the crack. Yeah, it's called getting credit carded. So. Is that a uh, now? I'm I'm no medical professional. You guys are much more higher qualified. Is that a a correct medical term? That's a legal term. Yeah, the taint. Yeah, yeah. I believe you when you say that. Taint. Oh damn! I don't even remember what. It, no, that's not it. It has a name. I forget. <laughs> the taint. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, what's next for you, Sean? You gonna keep doing what you're doing now? I'm going to travel for uh, another contract or two because uh, when I first did it, I did it because I wanted to take my daughter with me. But She turns 18 um, next week. We're actually going on a cruise tomorrow morning to celebrate her 18th birthday. Uh, she's always been a go-getter. She is graduating college on May 4th and high school on May 19th. You do the math on that one. Whoa. So it's kind of a celebratory year. So I was like, you know, what a great opportunity to get out here, but I, I've got like all these things, these like things I want to do for her to celebrate all her hard work to do all that stuff um, that are going to cost more than I'm, I can pay right now. So traveling was a quick way to get kind of get some money, but more importantly, they had a contract in Savannah, which is where it was. They absolutely awesome, and so I planned it because her last section of school was all online. I said, well, let's go. I'll take a travel contract. Let's go live in Savannah like locals for a couple months. And you can, we can try everything, do everything, have a great time, look at all the history. It's such a cool town. Um, you can get away from here, focus on your studies, but we can still go play. So that's what we did. We went and lived up there for, you know, three months and gave her an opportunity to kind of see the world. I've always been um, one to try to get my kids to see, like, we've done a lot of traveling. And... I want them to see all these opportunities so it gives them a reason to keep pushing in life. You know what I mean? Like, you don't get a lot of people that stay local. You know, they haven't, they haven't just said taking chances or, or went and see the world. You know, like Jerry's been around and moved around and stuff. And for, for whatever reason, you get an opportunity to see new attitudes, new life, new places, uh, new cultures. <clears throat> and that's such a beautiful thing. And there's a lot of people that never leave their own area. You know, so you get these people that just, they don't really know what the world can be. So I've been always pushing the kids to do that stuff. So this was like a really cool last opportunity to do something like that for my daughter and really see the scale of what it's like to just go somewhere else and really be there for a while. So it started like that and I finished the first one. We're going to take this cruise and I got another one coming up down on the West coast of Florida. Um, Hopefully I can find a nice place to skinny dip. Apparently there's a couple of good ones down there. <laughs> we'll, we'll see where it takes me after that. My goal is eventually to kind of come back here to the hometown. I got a nice house. I worked pretty hard to build the life I got now. And it's, it's the way I want it. Got a great core group of friends, uh, wonderful town, wonderful people around me. Uh, love my house to death. It's like my, my dream home. The only thing I'm missing is a pool in my house, literally in the house. <laughs> Cut a hole in the floor. Make it, make it happen. Well, I got a pool. There's, it's a gated community. It's got a community pool. It's only three houses down from me, so I got the best of that without having to pay for it. That's not too shabby. Nice. Uh, so, you know, enjoying this. My son's 16, turned 17 this year, so we'll probably do the same thing for him towards the end of this. And then after that, 
uh, you know, it's my turn, right? You know, we raise these kids up to be successful in life and hope that we keep ourselves healthy enough to, to be able to live our own at the end of all that and have ourselves in a nice, successful place to be able to afford that kind of life, too. And I really, really worked hard to kind of get there, and that's what I'm going to shoot for after this, man. Get some, maybe I'll go out there and be a whitewater rafter, too. With, uh, <laughs> we got you, oh, got you covered. I'll go teach, go teach CPR and snowmobile. Dude, he's uh, his CPR company's doing pretty well, so I don't. That's cool. Yeah, I will see what see what's going on. Maybe he's got. I know he was doing all that Ramsey stuff. Maybe he's got the house to rent out there. I'll just go out there, to Colorado, for a contract. Uh, they just built a house out here. Um, I know all his houses in Florida are rented. I don't, he, yeah, that's what he ended up doing. Uh, rolled everything, paid off all their debt, paid off their house got a second house and then like the way things timed out for them it was supposed to take like five or six years and ended up being like two years and they had five houses all rented nice all making money but he jumped in with everything yeah and they did like to a t i remember he was coming in there he's like nope don't have any money in that envelope for it like okay yeah there, there was a time we would go to the <laughs> store and he would buy a like the cheapest bag of salad and that's all he would eat and i was like dude he's like i gotta save money He's happy now, yep. though. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Everybody. I got houses all over the place. Uh, steady income, doing the job he wants to do. With the ability to quit it. That's yeah. the key one, yeah. Right? right? Yeah. That's the benefit of the nursing side of things. I mean, I love medical. I've always loved it. Um, you know, but the benefit of this job, especially with my background, if I don't like where I'm at, I'm out. Yeah. You know, somebody can hire me again, so... You know, fire service, I'm out now. I got to reapply and start at the bottom of the scrotum pole. It's going to suck. And Lord knows, like I said, beginning, I ain't passing that test in the first place. So I hope they secretary. How, uh, how old are you? You're a couple years older than me, right? 45, 46 in two months. Okay, yeah. I'll be 40 this year. Um, it's the same for me, man. People have asked me a couple times recently if, I, if, I'm, if I'm ever going to go back. I don't know why it comes up. But I'm like, uh, no, I'm 40. Too old. I, I could do it physically, but I don't. I don't want to start over at forty. Would really do it where the guys like you know we used to get from Orlando that would come to Tavares or stuff like that. They retired and they just kind of hit these you know low level cities and just kind of finish out another ten twenty, do another twenty. Those ones that got in right away, but yeah. I definitely uh, feel like that's bad for you too. Like just still being up at night, going through the all the stress and stuff. I don't think that was was the main reason i left flight main reason i was just tired of getting up at two o'clock in the morning for a kid call you know or, or anything really tired of not being able to sleep in my own bed i took a big pay cut when i started nursing because uh, flight was paying really good and nursing when you start out pays crap that's a that's a long run job like you know now that i've got a couple years under my belt and all my background experience finally counts um now i make now I make good pay, but when I started out, I took a ten dollar an hour pay cut. But, oh, I know it hurt, but I knew I was looking at the big picture, and so the big picture was I was going to be able to set up to be in a position like I am now, where you know if I don't like where I'm at, I can leave. You know, the, that's the one thing about flight. We were talking about um, the helicopter service, unless you get tied in with one that is basically run by the hospital system. Um, if it's private outlying service. It can close. It can close in the middle of you, in the middle of your day. And then you don't have a job, period. 
and that volatility just scared the crap out of me. You know, I had kids to feed. When I started that, I was, you know, it was nine years ago. I did it for eight years, ten, ten years ago now. Um, but I was fired the second day I was there because I'm out in training in Denver, and they come in. They say, hey, man, um, bad news. We're, we're not going to open your base because it was new bases they were opening for. It was like, we're not going to open it. And I'm like, I had just left a fire career. Like I left because I didn't realize the volatility. I didn't take vacation. I didn't hold on to it just in case. I'm like, mic drop, I'm out. I've never wanted to look back. And uh, sounds good, loved it. Moving on to this next adventure. And I, so I didn't have a job. I'm like, oh shit. And so they gave me some options. Uh, I ended up finding another base that was a little further away, but no big deal. At least I had a job. I get out there. And in the middle of all that, I get this debacle with my ACLS card. They didn't, the lady didn't process it over. And they had some problems with people working without an ACLS card. And they get fined for that. So they're like, hey, they'll let you know. They pull me in a room. And they're like, let you know. We're going to have to let you go because your ACLS card is no good. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I've got it in my pocket. <laughs> I go, what are you talking about? Uh, apparently, it was a, it's expired. So we got to let you go for that. And, I reach my wallet, pull it out, slide the card over. I see, and I'm looking at the one lady. There's two two ladies in there, the regional and then my local boss lady. I said, I sent you multiple copies of this. What are you talking about? And I slide it over to the other lady. I said, I don't know what, what kind of company this is. I said, but I've been twice in the last two weeks for incompetence. I'm kind of tired of it. I'm going to go out here and sit down. If I get fired one more time, I said, I'm probably going to have to press a lawsuit. I don't know what else to do with you guys. Um, because this is ridiculous. You know, you knew you were going to, you didn't decide Tuesday, you were going to close that base. Like you flew us out that day. Like I quit on Friday, flew on Sunday to start training on Monday. Like you knew this as a, now you're telling me I'm going to fire me because my ACLS card, which you have multiple copies of. And I'm pulling up my email, showing them because somebody said it was no good. What happened was, what happened was they went on, they were in a meeting they were in a, some kind of get-together or whatever in Orlando that time. We were down at Fort Myers training. And over the weekend, they met and said, oh, do you know so-and-so? Because I worked in the Lake County area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, we couldn't hire him for some kind of reason. One of his things wasn't up to date or something. The, the point was they didn't hire me because I didn't have my critical care stuff yet. I knew everybody there in the flight service, so they let me do a mock interview so I could see what they were like. They were trying to help me out. But, but the, the main guy only knew they didn't hire me for some reason. That lady took it that I didn't have an ACLS card. Boom, I'm fired. I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing here? So, long story short, got everything squared away. Eight years of cool stories and lots of fun pictures. And uh, moved on to this and having a great time, man. And I'm kind of excited about this. Here, this radio thing you guys are pretty cool. What made you start this? Well... Long story short, I, I tried. There was a podcast studio that opened up in town. I'd been thinking about it for a while. They opened up, and it was like you could go record for free, and they would assign you sponsors. Like they were getting paid by sponsors. That's how it started. I was doing it myself. Interviewed a few people um, because I wanted to get like this was early 2020, I think. I don't remember when I started. Yeah, that. probably because I moved here late 2020. Yeah, I did it before Seth got here. Then he moved here, and we met later. And Anyways, that studio ended up shutting down, and it was a debacle. Like, they couldn't run a business well, so it closed, um, and I quit for a while. But I had been thinking the last several years, just watching all the stuff that's going on in the world with um, 
law enforcement and first responders and the military. Like there's a lot of hate for people that do our profession. And yeah. I was like, man, this shit the media is doing that they're saying these cops are doing or the firefighters or any, whoever they're talking about it. It's one, mostly it's not true. Like it's, it's a very jaded side of the story, but two people yeah. just, just don't know what actually happens. Like nobody knows. That show we grew up with, Rescue 911, remember that was on TV back in the day? Oh, yeah. Like, that was all fake, reenacted, stupid crap. You know, this yeah. is real. We're telling stories. We've had people talk about some really serious stuff on here, like loss of life and yeah. houses burning down and some really um, critical incidents. Uh, and we've got a bunch more of those coming up. But people people just don't know. Like, they're, they're going to listen to this one and be like, oh, look at these assholes. They just joke around all the time and play video games. But... <laughs> yeah. Like they don't, they don't yeah. understand that those are just like little snippets. The rest of those shifts where like you're pumping on somebody's chest, you're picking up a little kid that fell into a fire and has third degree burns all over his face and torso. You're, you yeah. know, you're crawling through literal feces and needles and shit, searching a, a house for bodies. Like there's people don't understand all of that. Um, Another, uh, sorry to cut you off. Uh, no, I'm not sorry. Actually. Uh, what, well, I don't remember how you got me into this. You, but then I was like, yeah, "That sounds cool. I like to talk shit," and um, so that worked out really well. But another—that's a sidebar. Another side effect of this is that we've um, we've had such good feedback of just talking to guys that are retired and like documenting their careers, and now it's forever out there, and like their family can listen to it and hear stuff they didn't even know about their their spouse. Yeah. It's so, it's so cool, and we get to relive all that. I mean, I just. I freaking love it. Yeah. We interviewed one of Seth's old um, uh, bosses, mentors. Yeah. Like well, work daddy. While back, work daddy. C da- it's a C daddy, right, Sean? Isn't that what it's called? Something like that. Are you Give taking a piss? He's peeing. That's great. You better mute that. No, um, no, don't. Let it ride. <laughs> no, we're not playing that on here. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah. And, but he was like, his kids wanted to listen to it, and they were all excited to hear his stories. You know, it, so it's people, and Ashley forever. She's always wondered what I did. I never, like, I never came home and talked about all the stuff we saw or stuff we did. Um, you know, it's just, it's just stuff you don't talk about, man. Like, no, nobody wants to hear your story about, uh, you know, you had to work a little an infant last night, riding, yeah. riding into the hospital because mom was out at a white trash bachelor party and dad got drunk and passed out and rolled over on top of him, smothered him. Like, no, you know, nobody wants to hear that. Yep. Yep. Nobody wants to hear that. There's all kinds of stories like like that, like we all have. But that kind of goes back to like you started talking about with Station 27 being like the, the coffee house station is what it was. And everybody come in there. And, and that's that's the part, like when I said in the beginning, you know, whoever wants to listen to this, trying to decide what they want to do or what this career might be like. You know, you truly are, all aspects of public service when it comes to the emergency side of it, you're paid to deal with not only just – at the moment, but also long-term in your own emotions, things that people should never know exist. And that's the factor that a lot of people kind of, they don't understand. You know, they see TV shows and movies like, man, that's gross. That's horrible. You're like, bro, that's, that's a drop in the bucket of what's actual real. That's nothing. It's worse. It's worse than you think. Um, so a lot of people miss that. They don't get that part. Um, but that's where you get funny stories. Like, but, like, I can tell you a funny story. I'll tell one real quick. But if you take in the, the context of the story, the things that we have to deal with, this is why they become funny stories. Because the 
you, you know, you learn this defensive mechanism like both of you, I'm sure, have, and everybody else that's ever been in the service has, that you create a humorous side of it to deal with it, right? We've all got that little point where we might joke about it, but there's times um, where uh, – you remember the – was it the Memorial Day, the Labor Day one, Jared, that um, all those kids got tossed on the boat in Lake George? Oh, yeah, Jack's daughter. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So – I worked that. So I, I'm first one up there and it's raining. There's kids coming off the boat. One of the first boats that came off, I think Eddie was out on the boat and I was on the shore responding, uh, Johnson. Eddie hands me the kid. Now you understand, I was freshly divorced. So mom and I weren't talking. I didn't really know where my kids were. I just knew she had them for the weekend. And Eddie hands me this kid off the boat that's blue and it looks exactly like my son. I checked up cold like got the kid i'm turning him left and right i'm like because you know if anybody's been in this business and has you know seen their own friends or family or just people they know regulars because you run all these calls you start to know these regular people um they see these they don't look the same when they're dying or dead right. you know they think the colors change they don't quite look the same it's just kind of the main framework so right off the bat the first kid i get looks like my son and I got to like check for a second. Now I'm just in fucking shock. It's a Memorial weekend. So every off duty fire police nurse, they're all out there drinking, boating, you know, everybody wants to help. Cause that's what we do when the emergency kicks in. doesn't matter if we're working or not. Um, you don't know who's who you don't know who's sober. You don't know who knows what um, it's raining. I've got multiple kids coming out. Next one comes out and find out is, you know, Jack's kid. And then the, apparently a friend of theirs too. I've got two kids in front of me. I send the other guy off to, to deal with the third kid that comes out. I've now innovated both children. I'm trying to get on the radio because the responding engine, Jack is on it. Yeah. I'm yelling on the radio and it's Crogwell coming. I said, Crogwell, I, need you. I said, chief, I need you to call me. We're responding to a blah, 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 all the time. I said, I know I'm on scene. I need you to call me. And he's like, oh, I'm tired of this. And I get on the radio and I go, fucking call me right now, like on the radio. And he calls me. Of course, first he's kind of yelling. I said, hey, I'm Jack's kids in front of me. And Jack's coming on 72. I need you to know Jack's going to be out of service. Like, to let you know you're going to be down the firefighter in a second. So, you know, oh, shit. So now the mood changes for everybody. And this is family. Like, it's one thing, like Jared said, to, to work a kid, work other stuff. This is not my child, but it is by proxy, you know, right. because I know that this is my brother's child. They're, therefore, it's now mine. And it's now in my hands. Like, those stressors, those hit you, buddy. There's a couple other ones that were over 21. Like, um, you know, you, you take all these things. And you try to ball them into something and hope to God that you can, one, deal with it emotionally, and two, try to find a way to deal with this if it ever happens again in the future. And then you also have to deal with the people around. How do they deal with it? You know, maybe I'm dealing with it okay because I've got good blockers up, but maybe the rest of my crew isn't. Obviously, Jack's not going to deal with it real well, um, you know, understandable. But how is everybody else dealing with it, too? Uh, there's a lot of factors that the people don't don't quite give credit for they just think firefighters just put the wet stuff on the red stuff game over like you just call it a day uh but they see so many things that they got to deal with rape victims you come out there because they were you know brutalized you got to deal with these rape people um these women that don't want some big dude 
over top of them, you know, trying to help them out because a big dude over top of them, why well, they're here. And so finding a way to, to safely help these people um, and, and be able to work with that and then work through it. The things you see, like I said, you know, what you see in the movies is a fraction of what actually happens in the real world. But we're paid to deal with that part. You know, that's part of the job. All the fun stuff's cool. You know, and then we try to make light of death the best we can because we understand it's part of the process. And when you see it enough, it is. We had one I was working over in 82, a lot of retirement homes over there. And uh, it was around Halloween time, and we get this call for somebody, you know, that was unresponsive. And older people, they'll find them, but they'll call it in, and they'll move along, right? Yeah. And so I get out there, and I'm riding along. It was uh, Tony McDowell was on the ambulance with me at the time, and he's a funny dude anyway. And I was out there, and we're searching for this person that was reported down in this trailer park. And I stopped, you know, on the radio. I was like, Tony, you see anything? I don't see anything. And I look over to my right, and... Each one of these little mobile homes had a little garden thing, and everybody, it's Halloween time, it's decorated. There's the body laying dead in the center of their little grass patch. So it was hard to see because it looked like a decoration. Okay, jump out, we pull it out, we get, it, get them on the board, get them on something we can do backboard, do compressions, and it's just, they're gone. They're just gone, gone. And so we're going to have to call this, and I look over, this is the part where. You know, people say firefighters have, and the EMS and police too, all have just dark humor. And we end up calling it. Tony calls it. And I look over at Tony and go, so should we put it back? <laughs> uh, there's a tombstone so, right there. But that's like, that's it sounds like dark humor. And that's what everybody else that's not in this business sees. But that's a defense mechanism that, you know, that's, right. that's one of the that's just is what it is. You go out with people. And I'm sure Jared's had this uh, conversation come up. Same thing. Anybody in this field, probably you too. What's the grossest thing you've ever seen? And I got to start back with, well, what's gross to you? And the, my, my absolute one I hate to have is what's the worst thing you've ever seen? Yeah. that's. Uh, I'm going to tell you my worst is emotional. Like the things I've seen parents have to go through. You know, the times I've seen, I've worked a kid that looked just like mine. Um, you know, there's there's different levels of worse. Uh, so the, the career itself has a lot of things. I remember we had, do you remember the, the dump truck accident, Jared, that was on 474, 112's area, that these this car full of guys was trying to make a U-turn. The dump truck was coming through and totally wiped them out. We spent the next couple of days looking for body parts down there. Yeah, I think so. So there was a new hire class, Seth, that had just finished, and this was their first day out. Okay. Day one for these guys. And we got them out there looking for fingers, like body parts and stuff, because this thing got filleted over. The car caught on fire. Like, it totally wiped out the front end of the of the vehicle. There was five guys in this truck. It caught on fire. Um, you know, the, the ones with the remaining bodies, you know, there was like an arm laying out of one side, the other melted together and so they were stuck together and we can't leave all this bio out there so we got these guys doing you know um grid searches just, for fingers well yeah placing it out looking for parts looking for fingers looking for toes looking for anything that might be fleshy um and just having them search for the stuff so we can collect all the bio up because it absolutely shattered it and then, you know you're sitting here looking at these new kids you're like well welcome join the club yeah. that's a uh, thanks 
I think it was Kara's uh, group, the group right before me. They had were you this may have been before you were even there. Uh, I think it was Spinnaker Loop was the road. It was a murder big murder suicide due to the house on fire. Yeah. Remember that? Um yeah. they, they pulled, I think I was in you. Yeah, they pulled their group out of their like the end of their orientation, finishing up their new hire class to get, to go to that to go to a murder suicide and mop it up. It was such the house was so big, it was like a 10,000 square foot house or something. We worked the um, I worked a big I 4 fog accident years and years ago. We were just talking about that. That was something, man. Uh, Seth, you get down there, and this wall of fog was just creepy, it was movie like, it was a straight up wall, and it had receded back. So, when we're coming through there, we took our MCI truck down there because they didn't know how much it was going to be. I was at 82 with Michelle Bass at the time. And we were coming down there with this thing, and you're seeing these. It looked like a movie set from Walking Dead. There's vehicles just crashed into each other in weird positions, and you have no idea how it happened. And what it was was everybody in Florida was used to a little bit of fog. They just kind of pushed through it, no big deal. This stuff was blanked out. When we got to the fog and we're walking the truck, and it was just a pickup truck with the MCI stuff in the back of it. It wasn't a big deal when we are towing a trailer. I had to walk with my hand on the hood in front of the vehicle and and Michelle could barely see me at the end of the vehicle because I had to be out there basically like panning to see if there's something in front of us. But you get back in here, man. And the crappy part of this was there were people that died in fires out there. You got trucks back there. There, there was a family that died in a car fire out there because nobody could find them. All you could hear was help, help, help. And you could hear the fire, and you could see the flames, and it's just like when headlights hit fog that glows everywhere. You could see the redness, but you don't know how far, where it's at. And any firefighter that knows, you know, knows anything, especially about car fires, you can't just spray that shit over there. Like it's got to be direct on the fire, front, you know, more likely the engine, obviously. But it's got to be that hose got to be popped, it's got to be on it, you know, and you got to douse it. That's one of those probably got a magnesium block in there, the old school vehicle, whatever, more than likely it's popping. You got to douse the shit out of it, but it's got to be dead on that. So you can't just fling water over there because if you do, it's going to steam, you're going to steam bath this family too. So you can't find these people. There's stuff in the way. You only got 500 gallons of water to start with. How far away is it? Are you going to have enough hose line? And all you hear is help, help, help. Then you hear some screams. Then you only hear shit. That's nightmare stuff right there, buddy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was there. We had, um, I was on squad 72 and we had spotters walk in the front corners of the engine cause we could not yeah. see. And that's a cab over meaning you're sitting on top of the engine, like where the cab is the first thing. There's like yeah. a little extended bumper and then the, the windshield. Um, and you, we had to have people in front of that cause you could not see. Fuck. Yeah. It's nasty. But then you got other stories. You got fun stories. Like I tell you it'd be a fun one on here. Jeremy seriously. And I got a crap ton of stories. We went into this house fire. We went in real fast, real specific, knocked the fire down where it was supposed to be, and then uh, went in to just do a quick search because we knew the family was out, but they said that their dogs were in there still. So we went in there to find the dogs, and we get in the back, and it's two Doberman Pinchers. And they're in the back corner bedroom. And I'm like, okay, they're safe, they're sound. And I kind of go around the side of the bed, and the one dog jumps up, on the bed. The other one scoots past Jeremy and goes out the door. Jeremy's in the doorway and the dog jumps on the bed. He is just absolutely growling. <laughs> you know, not sure what's going on. He is growling his liver loving ass off. And I'm behind the dog 
And I see Jeremy point his finger out and he goes, don't you fuck. That's all I get right there. Because he knew what I was about to do. I pushed the dog. Because in my mind, I'm like, you got the new fire gear, all this stuff, super fluffy. He's got a face mask. We still got air pack stuff on. Let's get this dog. What's the worst that could happen? I pushed the dog right at him. <laughs> and of course, he thought that dog was going to attack him. He just kind of jumped over and knocked him sideways and shot him out the door. So, you know, there's there's fun sides to the work and then there's sides like I said you know, there's stories you don't ever want to tell um, you just shouldn't have to see people shouldn't know exist uh, things that happen and that's just in our small town you know I can only imagine nationwide like what collectively if if we all wrote a book like that post that postcard thing that people do um, that whole story where they kind of write something sad send it in or whatever I bet if we wrote a book It'd probably be the one book people never read. Yeah, nobody yeah. could handle that, handle that level of suffering. No. I don't think. Yeah, it's everywhere, man. Like our our little small town, Lake County, Florida, three hundred thousand people or whatever it used to be. It's probably up to four now. Um, yeah. The the volume of trauma and death and destruction we saw there it's just replicated in every place all across the world, really. But mm. you know, other. other countries a lot of other countries just don't have people to deal with it it just happens and people got to like the citizens got to figure it out on their own um, yeah i guess if you think about like you know what if we weren't there how much worse would it be I mean, yeah right that's what i've always told um people i've had the the pleasure of training you know you don't know if you're ready for this business till it's over but when you're done and you walk away that's when you know if you were worth being here you know it's when you can somebody can look back on your career and say that guy did a great job or that guy did what he was supposed to do and did the job. So you don't you don't know if you're you know, if it's for you until it's all said and done. So train like you're not ready. You know, be ready. I used to people ask all the time when I was teaching medic school, um, I didn't like kid calls, but I wanted to be there. Um, because I felt like I always pursued the knowledge necessary, the training necessary. You know, I stayed up on my skills, I reviewed everything to be the point that if this kid's going to have an emergency or this person's going to have an emergency, I want to be there because I feel like I've done everything possible to give you the best shot at it. And that's what you teach these new people. Like keep your training up, keep your skills up, stay ready because when these emergencies happen and they will, you want to walk away knowing you gave them the best opportunity. And that's the only way I was ever really able to deal with a lot of this stuff, you know, in the bigger picture, because if it went South, you could always look back and go, you know what, though? It, it just it happened. It was that emergency in the moment. But I feel like I gave them the best chance to get out of that. If it didn't, then it just wasn't their time. You know, God's calling them home, whatever the case may be, whatever happened. But at that moment, you know, you got to, when you're trying to find solace, if you stayed up on your game, you stayed up in your studies and you're trained and everything else, that's the last thing you kind of fall back on. Be like, you know what? I'm glad I was there because not, not, I would never want to see that again. I want to be a part of that. I'm glad I was there because I feel like I gave them the best chance. And that's something you want to, you know, these new guys coming in there. Um, that's kind of something they need to keep in their mind, something to make sure they pay attention to. And then ultimately, like I said, don't ever become arrogant because you don't know if you deserve to be there until it's over. That's a great point. That was a lot of wisdom, man. I really appreciate that. It's good. Good for all the young folks coming in. Yeah, they're they're obviously healthy because I can't pass that test. But the mental side's a whole other game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, sad jokes, Sean. We're pushing on two hours, man. I don't want to 
hold up your day. Uh, I'm on vacation, my man. Oh, good for you. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for doing this. Um, uh, this I know is, we've been uh, trying to do it for a while. I know. This has been uh, like maybe our longest It is. I'm going to, I'll cut this into two. There's people won't, just won't listen to two hours. Well, thanks. So yeah. I'll do I wouldn't want to. My kids certainly don't. I mean, I don't listen to our podcasts anymore. Just, I used to, and just, now it's like I don't. Just time. come back to it. I don't they know. don't though. They think they think they will, and they don't. I, yeah, I know. I, I know I, the statistics on podcasts, and they will not listen to the show. I, I believe you, but I'd like the end, I, I feel like this is all good all the way through, so I wouldn't it want is. people to not listen to it. So. Be two parts. They'll listen. Yeah. They'll listen to both parts if I. Yeah, yeah they can just the next part. They can just come back later. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave them hanging with one of Sean's crazy stories, like right in the middle of it, like meat stamping a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, I'm trying to think of other stuff. There's, there's so many jokes. It's kind of like when you're out telling stories, you just don't remember a lot of them. Yeah. Until this, I remember some of other people's stories too, like Crogwell, you know, using the bathroom in the middle of fire because there's just nothing you can do about it. I've done that. Yeah, he didn't talk about that. He was on a couple weeks ago. Hey, I saw it. I was waiting. I was waiting to see if he was going to tell that story. Yeah. I can't like, believe all the stories you tell. He, uh, he apparently had to use the bathroom so bad in the middle of the house fire. There's just nothing you can do about it. So he went into the bathroom in the middle of the house fire. Yeah. Oh, here's a crazy one for you. Okay. Not crazy, but funny. Because it has to give me some of that beef jerky. And daughter's <laughs> eating all my food. So we had this, uh, <laughs> we had this house fire out in, um, out towards Hawthorne, Red Tail area. Big, big house. Huge house. And it was one of the... New lieutenant's first fires. Now, thank God he had a whole bunch of firefighters that knew what they were doing. And, you know, he just kind of got excited. And he basically had us come in from uh, Alpha side and Charlie side, which, you know, if you know anything about firing, basically we're doing opposing streams. But we knew it. Having a sword fight. <laughs> so we're we're walking in. We're just kind of laughing. They always say to be a good lieutenant, you got to burn down a million dollars worth of stuff. So that, that lieutenant pretty much made his quota that day. Uh but we, we helped him out a lot. So I go in there, and it was always a joke that I always had my phone with me. And so uh, Robbie Staub was there. Robbie knew I always, always had my phone. Didn't matter where it was. Always had my phone. And lo and behold, I'm in there. I'm in this house where it was me and Searcy. And, uh, oh, I can't forget his name. He left to be a rocket scientist. <laughs> What's his name? Oh, anyway. So we're in there. They're pulling. I'm pulling ceiling. And they got the hose line behind me, and we came in kind of from the CD corner. And I'm pulling ceiling, and it's impossible because this is a tall ass roof. So I got the huge, huge pipe hole dropping, dropping stuff down because we're looking. It's up in the top, and I find it, and it pops out through the the hole I made, and it rolls down kind of like that fire that you ever been on the Mummy ride at Universal? You ever been there? It's a great ride. Anyway, this flames. It kind of looked like the old school fire room. They show the fire crawl across the the, um, the ceiling, right? Yeah. They put you in the room, the hot boxes. And so I'm like, man, that's cool as shit. So I pull my phone out to take a picture. <laughs> reach, in my, reach in my gear and <laughs> pull my phone out, go take a picture. And uh, about that time, Robbie texts me, asked where we went in at. Because it wasn't really getting reported. That new lieutenant didn't know, and he texted where we went in. And I told him exactly where we went in at. And so we get down with the fire, we come out, and I come across the field, and Robbie's got his hand up, and he's laughing, and he goes, I fucking knew it. Fucking knew it. 
I knew you would have your phone. I told Kara you know, she didn't believe me. I knew you would have your phone because I texted him exactly where we were. Um, I'll tell you my the funniest story I ever did, uh, post-divorce, midlife crisis, like any good firefighter does. You know, you always get your first marriage out of the way, you know, stuff like that. A lot of guys get through one. So I decided I was going to get my nipples pierced. Now, I remember this. Yep. I got hoops in my nipples, both sides, paid for both sides. Horrible idea. I'm in the middle of a house fire, and that loop pushed through, like, with the T-shirt, too. But the T-shirt and a loop went through the little space in my suspender. In the middle of the fire on my right side. So I'm up on the nozzle. I got to scoop. I have to scoop the nozzle. We got to finish the job. We get it all knocked out. Come outside. I think I was on 82 the time was that right where were we was it about then maybe not i don't know i don't know where, where this fire was i remember oh. when you got nipples pierced that's all i meant oh god yeah jared never flicked them though we weren't that kind of brother he goes back to that two-man tent in the field right <laughs> oh. we're not cops but yeah we're not cops we're not that loving so i get done i come out of this fire and i go around over to the engine and I finally, I'm, I'm like, got my arms tucked under. I'm trying to hold my nipple up. It's holding, his tension is pulling down. It hurts like hell. I get the, get the air pack off, get the jacket off. And I'm, I can't get the t-shirt through the suspender. Mm. So I'm over by the toolbox and I get the trauma shears out and I cut a little hole in the t-shirt to release the t-shirt. Like I, I managed to pull it, the t-shirt further through. So I cut the hole. So now that's out. So now your, your titty sticking out. I've just got the suspender. I've got one suspender off. I've got the um, the straps there. It's holding in. And so the T-shirt, right, is sticking out this way. And so I pull more T-shirt out to, to cut the hole to clear the ring. And now the, the T-shirt's off. I can pull the T-shirt back from behind the suspender and pop that free. And now the um, ring finally comes through it. I made a turn because it, it was a ring with a little ball on it. Was anybody was watching like, oh. this? Huh? Was anybody watching no. this? the truck but here's the funny part i get that popped out and as soon as it's done i'm over there like oh thank god and i got my other shirt pulled up this one's kind of down i'm not taking the shirt off all the way yet i don't know why uh pulling this up this got this ring out and i've got the needle nose pliers i'm like i can't do this anymore i pop the ball out of the other one and I'm, i put the needle nose down and i take the other um hoop out and about the time i got my shirt hiked up on the left side and a hole in my T-shirt on the right side, Palmer walks around the end of the engine. <laughs> and he stops, and he looks up, and I just stop calling. That's, that's the battalion chief. He's looking at me with one shirt up and a hole in my other, like with my nipple sticking out of a hole in my T-shirt on the other side. And he looks at me and goes, I don't even want to fucking know. I, and he's like shaking his head, turning, I don't even want to fucking know. And he just walks back away. So, that's... <laughs> That's my nipple piercing story. That was beautiful. Yeah, we should. Uh, I. This is awesome. <laughs> We're gonna have to end it on that, dude. Yeah. I got actually got to go in a few minutes. Yeah, I got to get to work. That is a yep. beautiful way to end it. <laughs> thanks, Sean. I like that one. We'll, thanks, we'll thanks for your time you today. Good. Well, I think we're gonna have to do this again because clearly there's more in that. There's lots more. With, beautiful bald head. Sean. Yeah. Get seriously on at the same time. Yeah, I have a, I'm gonna store the crap we did. I have a couple pairs. I want to get Crogwell and Steve on, tell their old back in the day stories. Funny. And then, have you gotten that guy's funny? Who? 
floor? Have you got him on? No, not yet. You know what he's doing now? Huh. He's a bud tender. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if that's supposed to be public or not, but I mean, he's working at the place back in town. So everybody's got dreams, man. <laughs> got them dreams. All right, Sean. I started with him and Letourneau. And I got some stories just from that one. Oh, dude, Letourneau. He's got so many crazy stories. I'll tell you some oh, of those. We were, I'll tell you a real fast one. We were looking for a car on 44. It was me and Letourneau. We were coming down trying to find this car. We could not find a car, could not find a car. It was back before they kind of built everything. There's a big ramp off. This car literally launched off the side of 44 and went up into a tree. Ooh. And that's what I just remember. He, he's just got this voice. He's just, he's such a cool guy. He's just got this voice. And he's like, well, I'll be damned. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> Oh, damn. All right, Sean. Thanks for your time, dude. Have fun on your vacation. Enjoy your cruise. Yeah. Where are you going? Uh, we're uh, seven days. Seven days through the Caribbean. Jamaica, Haiti, Nassau. Awesome. Private. Wow. So it's a good little reset for my daughter. She's going to have five weeks left when she's back. She got this vacation this week and spring break next week. And then five weeks, and then she'll be done with college and high school. So real proud of her. Real excited about that. Just Looking to celebrate that and keep rocking, keep going forward. Guys, congratulations on the show, man. It's a good time. Thanks for having me. Great to meet you. And, uh, man, I got a lot of good laughs out of today. That was was appreciated. This is uh, definitely our funniest one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Super fun. All right, guys. Have a great one. Thanks, brother. See you. See you.